Look, health care is part of Abigail, Congresswoman, or uh, uh, your Congresswoman's uh, um, background. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, I understand that's your job. We had, we had a lot of flat-out old segregationists still in our caucus. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. It is Valentine's Day 2022. Welcome to The Daily Rob. You can find us all across the internet. Hit up the link tree to see all of our socials. Find the one that you like best and give us a like, comment, subscription, positive review, all that good stuff that we like to see. And without further ado, the son of Barry White the master of love, the one and only Rob Smith. That's me, Stu, and I'm here reporting from Super Bowl 53. Now, Stu, our fans around the globe want to know why we're not reporting in the morning as we usually do, but they don't know what a love machine you are. (laughs) You have three Valentine's dates tonight alone, and uh, we just had to record a little bit early, Stu. Um, and that's no surprise, Stu. I think I told you I went to an engagement party for um, your cousin this weekend, and there are lots of folks there from all over the place. And all the girls your age were going, oh, that's Stu. I just love Stu. Mm, you got it, son. Now, Stu, as you can tell, I'm in one of those fancy luxury boxes, and uh, I'm here with Shaq. Um, Governor Newsom, Snoop Dogg is here, Eric Garcetti, the um, mayor of Los Angeles is here, Vince Vaughn is with us, Larry David is with us, we're just having a grand old time, Stu, and guess what, nobody's wearing any masks, not even the public figures, can you believe that? Mm. Well, Stu, you know, I have to report, I'm disappointed, Mayor, I'm disappointed in you. Um, as I was driving around the last two or three days up here, Stu, I noticed that there are 63,000 homeless people in Los Angeles County alone and all around, um, SoFi stadium here, they've been trying to clean things up such that people from around the world who are coming to the Super Bowl won't see what a God awful mess that is. And Stu, that's something that communist regimes do. They create these Potemkin villages um, such that somebody won't see what the real day-to-day life is. Um, So it's sad, Stu. Um, They're just moving people around um, out of the way. They cleared Venice Beach and some other places. But as soon as the Super Bowl's over, they'll move them all back. Um, That's liberalism in a nutshell. Now, Stu, I'm going to put my microphone down here for a second, but I wanted to talk to you about the latest revelation of the Durham report. Um, A filing in federal court last week on a motion to get somebody um, um, recused because of conflict of interest revealed. And we all know this, but it goes deeper that Hillary paid Perkins Coy uh, a boatload of money. We all know that 
um, to spy on the Trump organization and to plant false, false evidence. But it went more than just that, Stu. They actually paid tech firms to uh, hack into Trump computers at Trump Tower and at the White House. And what they did is they spread all these DNS numbers and things to create a narrative that there were like 27,000 contacts with um, Trump organization and a crooked Russian bank. And they did a number of things like that. And then they used people in the government uh, and lackeys associated with the government to hand over uh, false information to the FBI and the DOJ. And what we know, Stu, is that um, all these people investigating uh, Trump for the Russia collusion all knew this. They all lied. They all were part of it. Um, Scary, Stu. Stu, several years ago, it's probably a long time, but there's an article somewhere on Rob is Right called what I termed the charm school theory. And years ago, I read this book by Nelson DeMille called The Charm School. And in it, um, the Soviets would capture Americans in Vietnam and places, take them um, inside the Soviet Union and have them teach young um, Soviet spies how to be American. And I remember when I read this book, I had a revelation. And the revelation was this, a regime that's willing to kill 50 million people, 50 million of its own people surely did this. Because if you're maniacal enough to commit mass murder, you're maniacal enough to do something much less. This Durham report stuff shows you the links that the power crazed leftist in the Democratic Party will go to to win an election. So again, all this election fraud stuff, you have to think who is pushing the the fraud. And it might seem that here in America, people don't do this, but we know that they do do this and we we know that they are crazed for power. So that's what I got to say about that, Stu. Anyway, Stu, um, just a question. You might talk about this here in a second, but I'm just going, isn't it strange the Biden administration has never appointed a, an ambassador for Ukraine? Perhaps we'll talk about that in a second. Stu, the incestuous sewer that is Washington, D.C., allows these power-hungry patronages to exist. Uh, recently found out, and I'm, you know, it's not a surprise, it's not new information, I'm not breaking a story, because this was in uh, Robert, Robert Kennedy's books, book. Um, Zeke Emanuel, you know, his brother Ron, um, Chicago uh, mayor, he's got a brother named Ari, they're all Democratic activists. But Zeke was the bioethics director at the NIH. Now, 
And guess who succeeded him? Anthony Fauci's wife. But Zeke is on record in a bunch of emails and such during the Obamacare discussions in which he advocated effectively death panels. In other words, don't treat people with dementia and things like this. One, the patronage is, is just ridiculous um, and corrupt. But two, the bioethics director is the death panel guy. Washington is sick. All right, Stu, speaking of how sick Washington is, you may not have ever heard of Megan Paradise, but Megan Paradise is the female Ray Epps. Um, she was an agitator um, before January 6th on her social media site and in Washington, encouraging um, violent behavior of the crowd. She was filmed in Pelosi's, Pelosi's office. Oh, during the evening before the January 6th crowd, people um, hearing the, uh, the heightened rhetoric that she produced, the crowd started shouting fed at her, fed, fed, fed. Anyway, she goes into Pelosi's office, smoking a cigarette and she's at her desk. Her pictures are taken, they're very clear. Her social media uh, history is very clear. There've been no arrests, uh, none. Oh. That's what she was, she had a vape pen in her mouth sitting at somebody's desk. She wrote on a sticky note, you're fired. Now she's on the person of interest, FBI list. Yo, man, if a, if a woman tells you to charge the line, yeah, you never don't, charge the don't line. Charge no, the dude, she's up there saying we need to go. It's like, what are you no, talking dude, about? Don't listen to her. I'm like, dude, you go first. Yeah, you go first. Dude, women have been wrapping men up and shit like that for for all since the beginning, dude. Bro. <laughs> This lady's like an agent for provocateur. Plant the seeds of inspiration for years to come. It is now my honor and duty to present to you the second volume of a punk rock opera. Luckily, she they let her go home. But they told, you know, no more social media and just that the what you're going to say is just that her lawyers are negotiating with the police and it's been taken care of. So, yeah. Wow. That sounds so hard. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> on another January 6th story, Stu, Tucker Carlson reported on this the the other night. Um. There's a guy clearly on film, and this is before January 6th, I think on January 5th, and he's in front of the DNC head, headquarters, and he plants a pipe bomb, okay? Well, Camilla, the next day, 
was over the DNC, which is weird because the swearing, because of what was going on inside uh, the Capitol and all of her press releases have always been, she was at the Capitol, but she wasn't, she was at the DNC for some reason. Um, anyway, um, the guy's clearly on tape. Uh, he's talking to somebody on his phone. The pipe bomb did not detonate, okay? Which means all that evidence is there. Um, and, you know, when you have a pipe bomb or something like that, you can look and see where the parts were made. You can get DNA, DNA off of it, their fingerprints, their, all kinds of stuff you can do. I mean, look what, how they track the, the Unabomber. Well, this is one of the biggest manhunts in our history. And against uh, nothing, nothing. Um, so, Stu, as you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but when you have things like, you know, Megan Paradise not getting arrested, the Ray Epps thing, we know they opened up the doors, we know there were agitators, leftist agitators in the crowd. We know there were agents provocateur from the federal government. Um, it lends some credence, that's all I'll say, to some of these stories that this was a setup. That's all I'll say. Uh, I don't know. It's bizarre. And the fact that there's no transparency, um, again, uh, when people aren't transparent about things, there is a reason. And there's usually a, it's because they're trying, well, not usually, almost always, because they're trying to hide something. Still, what else we got here? Um, Stu, I went to a, and we'll do a podcast on this. I went to a Jefferson Council meeting on Friday night. That is the, um, it's a new group at the University of Virginia. And what we're trying to do is stop the indoctrination and the leftist, well, it's the leftist indoctrination, uh, preserve the grounds and the uh, cherished honor system of the University of Virginia. And I learned things that you just wouldn't believe. Uh, the code words are um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I don't care who you are, if you're being hired from the, for the University of Virginia in almost any kind of position, even if you work in the library, to being a tenured professor, you have to swear a, allegiance to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And as we all know, those are effectively Marxist code words. Equity, it means equity of, of outcomes, which is the essence of Marxism. And it means a lot of ignorance, too, on history. And, uh, you know, and it's divisive and it, and it creates a false narrative um, at a school that's supposed to be uh, run under the ideals of Thomas Jefferson, which is intellectual freedom. It's scary, Stu. Finally, Stu, I've been keeping up with what's going on in Canada over the weekend. Uh, the Canadian police tried to close the Ambassador Bridge. 
Um, they might have come close to doing that by Super Bowl time here, but the more people they tried to move out, the more people moved in. The uh, I think they got a lot of the heavy trucks off of there. They encouraged the folks, um, but um, there is still a flood of um, what this has done again is enraged more folks and they're flooding into um, Ottawa and other cities. It's nowhere near over. Um, and I just applaud these guys too. Um, the financial situation has been interesting to follow as well, where they did another court order to suspend the money from Gibson Go. And the CEO of Gibson Go said he wasn't going to abide by it. But once that came out, the crypto community raised about a million dollars in Bitcoins for the truckers. And so it definitely shows one of the strengths of Bitcoin that you don't have to deal with essentially what we see governments saying, you can't have this money that was raised for you because you can just label someone a terrorist. Well, if you look at Marx again, um, one of the things they advocate for a Marxist state is a, a central bank that uh, the party controls. This is exactly why. TD Bank, which I own some, some stock in, it's done fairly well the last two years. Uh, they have a freeze on um, part of the GoFund money. Now, in their defense, they had a court order uh, issued on them. But um, again, it's lawlessness. It's not their money. And again, um, what's going on here, Justin Trudeau closes Canada down for two years, tells people that they can't leave their house after 10 p.m. They get fined 6,000 bucks. People's businesses are shut down. Their kids can't go to school. The kids are poisoned by having to wear these masks. People are pissed off. Now that the trucks are interrupting commerce a little bit, uh, the government suddenly say, you're hurting people's businesses. Well, you sons of a bitches closed the businesses down for two years. Yeah. It's like only we are only we can be tyrants. You know, it's our job to to fuck people over. Excuse me. All right. So that's what I got, my man. Right on. So hey, Shaq, I could you get me some of those chicken fingers over there? I'm doing a podcast. Thanks. So. All of the protests in Canada has now inspired the French people to rise up. And there was a, another kind of protest inspired by the Freedom Convoy. So you had French motorists with flags and lots of honking. And Bill, would you like me to sing the first verse of, their, uh, of the Marseille? Do it up. Well, we don't have much time. Play la Marseillaise. But 7,000 police officers were deployed in France to kind of keep this as under control as possible. And if you remember back in 2018, you had the yellow vest anti-government. So it seems to be very much the same people who were involved with that are now involved. And Al Jazeera did, a, I think, a very even-handed article on this. They exclusively said that these people were anti-mandate people. 
there was no other uh, idea that they might have certain radical or racist beliefs. Al Jazeera said that they were only anti-mandate. So it's very interesting to see how foreign news will cover events. But you see that all the time with um, the British press covering things and in the United States that the uh, MSM here won't do. Exactly. So, you know, one of the people that they quoted was a woman named Lisa, 62 year old retired health worker who said people need to see us and to listen to the people who just want to live a normal and free life. Uh, Phil, a 58-year-old from Brittany, said his refusal to get vaccinated had created upheaval for his family and work relations. And so it looks like a, there was a Dutch contingent. That yeah, got I saw that. Involved. And so their signs said, love and freedom, no dictatorship. So all I got to say is if these people in power, whether it's the French or the Canadians, want to come down hard on these people, they are not going to look like the good guys. Kind of my two cents on that. Now, let's jump to Eastern Europe real quick. So uh, it looks like Russia's invading Ukraine on Wednesday or tomorrow. Who knows? But there are now being these. It's almost as if the Biden administration is inviting them to invade. Um, Zelensky himself said, OK, I hear you. But show okay. us the proof of all yeah. this intel you have that they're going to invade. Yeah, it, it's mind-boggling to say the least. How do you coordinate a defense with the Ukraine if you haven't even talked to them about what the intel is? Yeah, and so, I, something's not right here, Stu. And so I just want to remind everybody about uh, Robert Gates. So who, he was the defense secretary for the Obama administration. And so this is a direct quote from him, and he has stood by this time after time. And so uh, in reference to Joe Biden, he said this. He's a man of integrity and capable of hiding what he really thinks. And one of those rare people, you know, you could turn for help in a personal crisis. Still, I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades, which kind of makes sense a year into his administration. He's not doing anything about the border, national security. His FBI didn't even realize that there was a guy from Britain who had been on a terrorist list who came into the country. Uh, foreign policy, Afghanistan's been wrong. But do you think he made a mistake in Afghanistan in the way yes. he handled the withdrawal? Yes. China's been wrong. And now we're seeing what essentially looks like he's starting up a war with Russia, who has now just gotten in bed with China about a week ago. So, I mean, he is, it looks like Robert Gates is being 100% accurate concerning all of this. And so, well, it also seems to me that, you know, the objectives on both sides is that Russia does not want Ukraine to be part of um, NATO. Yes, that is the red line. All right, NATO, um, um, wants Ukraine in its sphere and maybe one day to be a part. Well, Stu, if I was the, you know, they say that diplomats are honest people sent abroad to lie on behalf of their nation. I think Disraeli said that. My plan would be, I would go in there and say, we're not going to join NATO. But that doesn't mean that you can't join 
something called something else at <laughs> some point or that you can't you coordinate a defense with with Ukraine, but still not be part of NATO. That's how you solve it. I mean, there are parts of Ukraine that are essentially sovereign areas because post 2014, they just started handling things themselves. So that the Domask region, the Donbass region, Donbass region. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ethnically Russian. Yes. And then they were the ones who voted to join Russia. So I think the issue at hand here is if Ukraine can't even handle their borders and they have areas that wanted to rejoin Russia and you're saying Russia is trying to invade, I, I'm sympathetic towards Russia. I think Putin is showing a great deal of just insight and in saying, hey, I wasn't interested in 2014, but for the past nearly decade now, these are independent areas. If they, I mean, that's kind of how I see it. And the whole thing that the Biden approach is, is sanctions this, sanctions that. And, you know, I'm of the belief that sanctions are warfare by another name, but it's being made clear by Russian ambassadors that Putin doesn't give a shit about Western sanctions. That's a direct quote. And that they feel that Russia is very independent on its own and can survive any kind of sanctions thrown their way. Well, the thing about sanctions is we live in a worldwide economy and there's almost always ways around them. Um, Especially if you just got in bed with China. Right, who can help you out. Yeah. Um, But Stu, you know, these issues for Russia is an interesting place and I would love to go there one day, but, you know, having a warm water port in Crimea has always been on the top of their list of something they they either need or need to keep. And they've always been very protective of their boundaries because they've been, when they've been invaded, it has been total warfare. Uh, Napoleon and then the Germans. The Mongols, um, you, you always forget the Mongols. And, and the Mongols, yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's some history there of wanting defensive barriers to keep people out. Yeah. Um, and I'm not justifying everything that Russia does, but I'm just saying these are age old um, geopolitical issues and a smart administration would be discussing these for months and months before now. Um, it, I mean, it the just way I, you know, commerce and trade is always the way to smooth things over. Um, and there probably could be some sort of a confederation there that might, you know, be good for Ukraine and Russia. Uh, but then again, the flip side, I told you what Russia's side of all this is, it, the Ukraine, Ukraine under the Soviets, um, that's where most of the mass murderers, mur- murders occurred, where the Communist Party wanted to kick the kulaks off the land the kulaks actually farmed and were fairly prosperous for you know on a relative basis to everybody else and they just murdered them millions and millions and millions of people now that was uh, only you know 70 how 60 yeah uh, 80 years ago it's nothing i mean here in the united states we talk about well we southerners talk about what the yankees did well that was twice as long as what happened there 
So all these things are fresh in people's minds. They're real issues. We have these declassified Afghanistan reports that the Washington Post actually got their hands on. And um, now everyone has seen them. Saki said they didn't exist on Friday, but they most definitely exist. And just some of the reactions of these are just so, so scary, where you have the commanders saying that the White House wasn't communicating with them. And some of these reports are 2,000 pages long on how bad the Biden administration handled the pullout of Afghanistan. And so as we have more and more time to dig through these, it just goes to show that if they were as inept with handling Afghanistan as they were, do you really think these are the people who should be fighting against the Russians? And if we remember McGregor's report on what a war with Russia would look like, he said we would get our asses kicked with the current state of the military and how the way that we fight with our tanks versus their tanks would just be, we would get slaughtered. And so how can anybody have any faith in our military these days when it's become this woke transgender fest, um, critical race theory, um, you know, no standards, uh, instead of training our troops, how to kill people, it's training them how horrible, uh, uh, white people are and all of the uh, totally bizarre ideologies of the left. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of reminded of that song, uh, I'm No Fortunate Son. And I just kind of think about, oh, you're going to have these young Americans sent to go fight against the Russians and die just so Joe Biden can keep the Democratic Party afloat and during the midterms that's what it seems like to me look what he's done to our school children look what he's done to hundreds of thousands uh, robert malone said well over six hundred thousand folks have died because our government under joe biden has not allowed doctors and hospitals to treat people for covid before they go to the hospital. And in the hospital, they banned the medications that are perfectly safe that would save their lives. And hundreds of thousands have died. Yeah. Same people. He's the greatest president of all time. (laughs) But that's all I got for you today. All right, Stu, uh, have fun on your three dates tonight. If one date goes particularly well, but then you have to stop it to go have the other date, how does that work? I just bring her with me. There you go, Stu. I like it. I like it. Okay, I'll catch you later. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the left shed.